Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Adam Pranica. I am also your host. My name is Benjamin R. Harrison. Ben, for the only the second time in our show's history, we're actually <laughs> looking at each other while we record. Yeah. This will be like a, a distant and vague memory for most people, but this is the day that the huge distributed denial of service attack was taking down large swaths of the internet yeah and we decided to get frisky and stream video of each other while we record this episode probably a bad idea there's a there's no one out here on the internet right now ben it's just a ghost town people people kept refreshing twitter for 20 minutes and they gave up man it really brought into crystal focus how often I'm on Twitter. <laughs> because when it was gone, I started to get cold. Yeah. Cold and tired. I, yeah. I feel like I was revenanted by the internet today. I just felt like, uh, you know, jokes that should have gotten seven, eight faves only got one or two. Yeah. that Those are... Tragic. Th- that's pre-podcast traction right there uh, with yeah. the comedy there, Ben. Where's my relief fund? <laughs> <laughs> well, part of the reason we're, we're looking at each other during for this one is uh, we want to get used to the idea because uh, day by day, hour by hour, our plans of putting together live versions of our show are coming together. Isn't that right? Yeah. We yeah, don't, don't want to get up on stage and have it be uh, like an additional shock that we're looking at each other. <laughs> I think by the time this episode is out, we're going to be pretty close to actually being on tour. So uh, people will know this by then, but like we haven't we haven't uh, launched our official announces yet. But we're like you know booking venues, and we took a bunch of meetings with people that have done this before, so they could tell us not how to how to not be idiots about it. Um, I'm getting really excited. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a way to put it. Are you are you a little nerve? No, I'm no. Poquito nervioso. No, I'm. I feel great about it. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna be in a room with uh, with people who love what we do. What could be better than that? Are you as on edge as a generic security officer when a bunch of Klingons are tromping around on the ship? I cannot wait to talk about that. Can we get into the episode? <laughs> Let's do it. All right, it's season four. Episode 7, Reunion. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. And this is, uh, this is the second time around for one John Frakes as a director. This time he decided to keep his character in the episode. Yeah, he, he doesn't, uh, he's not just there for one physical comedy bit. He's, uh, <laughs> he's pretty, pretty heavily involved. I mean, he's not... Definitely not a main or secondary character in this unfolding drama, but yeah. uh, but he's in the mix for sure. The Enterprise is uh, doing um, something that could only lead to something not at all related, which is 
scanning radiation anomalies. <laughs> I love I love all the like generic shit that they can be up to when when shit pops off, you know. <laughs> Like I feel, I feel like I feel like uh, when when Picard says radiation anomalies, that's that's Star Trek: The Next Generation code for, oh damn, shit's about to get real. <laughs> it's what you tell your mom when she's knocking on your door when when you're actually jerking it. Like, uh, hold on, I'm 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 scanning for anomalies. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they uh, they're doing this, and a uh, Klingon ship decloaks right in front of them. And uh, it's not just any Klingon ship. This is a Vorcha class battle cruiser. Looks like a tuning fork class Klingon ship to me. I think this is the first time we've seen one of these, right? Yeah, it looks pretty badass. We've seen the USS Bounty type bird of praise. Yeah, but the the battle cruiser is like a whole different. It's like it's like on a different scale, right? It looks like it's put together a little better than the Klingon ships we've seen before. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can get into this later, but the doors seem to slide more easily. There's <laughs> less a din of like chains being dropped on the ground when you're on board. The fit and yeah. finish is nice. Yeah, it's still the the air filtration not great. <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like the difference between like a. Uh, an American rental car on the lower spectrum, like the compact variety versus like the, uh, the, the anniversary or honeymoon special that the guy at the desk gives you, uh, as rental cars go. Like it's a good one. You're going to be happy to be seen on the ship. It's a, uh, Hyundai accent (laughs) (laughs) or, or similar. Yeah. Uh, I see. I see you sipping out of a uh, of a piece of a gourd there, Adam. What's that? Oh yeah, I am. Uh, I've decided to drink some mezcal today, uh, and I'm drinking it out of a hickory. the The problem that I didn't know until I got down here and we got on mic was that um, there's a little piece of dust floating in my in my mezcal, and you got to dust the hickory before you pour a, a beverage in here, man. Oh, yeah, you got to dust that hick. I like displaying my hickora. It lets <laughs> people know uh, that I'm up for whatever. Yeah, that's that's the, uh, that's the our century's horgon. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I got a little floater in it, and I haven't, I haven't had a sip yet of, of the floater, but it's going down real smooth. I'm drinking a fine Dale McGuay mezcal today. Oh, Typically, man. it's just a, it's a fine domestic, but I'm backing up with the domestic. <laughs> Um, I I don't have any podcast fluid of any kind, and uh, you're just making me, you're just making me jealous. Look, we can hold if you wanna if you wanna go grab something. Listen, I've got boobs. <laughs> I, I just don't have beer. That's terrible. You should. Uh, don't you have like the pink dot over there? Don't you have a a, a bodega delivery service of some kind? I don't... Get some Amazon now up in this. I got laid off recently, Adam. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I'm just trying to make you feel better. Yeah, I'm not you're making to me spend f- your money. You're rubbing sand in it, buddy. So our friend Ambassador Kalar gets on the FaceTime. Turns out she's on the Vorcha, and uh, she wants to talk to uh, the captain. She says it's kind of urgent, so uh, she. Uh, Gives him a heads up that she's beaming aboard, and he's like, great, cool, Kalar, we love Kalar, right? 
Everybody loves Kalar. Picard's like, uh, hey, Worf, why don't you go say hey? Go to the transporter room and, uh, and, and greet our guest. Picard delegates this to him, and this is the... Uh, not the first time that Worf has attempted to get out of doing some Klingon shit because he's embarrassed to be around other Klingons. Um, I always love these scenes where, like, you know, Worf is, like, supposed to just be, like, <laughs> down for whatever. Uh, he's, he can he can roll with the punches, but if ever there's, like, some shit where he has to talk to a Klingon... He always, like, grabs the captain's elbow and takes him off in the corner and goes, like, can you please let me not talk to these Klingons? Because embarrassing. Yeah, these are the band kids that that bully me, and I'm not really comfortable playing with them. <laughs> yeah, you know, Picard is never... He is never one to, like, make a, a tricky job easier for his employees, right? <laughs> Like, he, he never presses the red button. He's the boss that doesn't solve for them. No. Lieutenant, you are a member of this crew, and you will not go into hiding whenever a Klingon vessel uncloaks. Yeah, he, he, he wants them to step up and solve their own shit. Yeah. You know, he's, he's like a pretty easygoing guy, as we will find out later in the episode. But, like, the one thing is, like, don't make a problem for me, you know? Yeah. That's the rule. He's big on delegation. Worf shows up in the... Uh, in the uh, transporter bay, and not just Kalar beams over, uh, but Kalar and a little little Klingon boy. And he's got a little loaf. Yeah, he's got loaf. a little uh, little personal pan loaf on his head. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's about to tip over at all times. Look at the size of that boy's head. Do you, do you ever feel that way watching him walk around? He's he's a real like he's. He's clearly a child. We know that, but right. he seems like a very small child. Like, how old do you think he is? I think this actor is like a very. He's. I don't think he's a little person, but I think he's a very small person, and I think he's yeah. smaller than his age. Yeah. Um, That's definitely that, the effect. Yeah, but uh, I also like definitely wonder when I see him walking around. Like, did they make his loaf out of something super heavy? So he's like. Having a tough time balancing, or I'm not kidding. It's like an orange on a toothpick. Yeah, he's got a real self-aware walk to him, like like a like a child trying to act like he's walking. Yeah, you know, it's strange. <laughs> so, Worf being a a daddy because this is Kalar's kid, and uh, she got knocked up when when Worf was uh, when she, when last she was on the ship. Uh, Kalar is here to bring tidings from the Klingon Empire that Kempek, the uh, the Chancellor, he's on death's door. He's not doing so great. And You might uh, remember him as Kempek of Fat Kempek. Mm-hmm, yeah. As in still fat. Too <laughs> <Right>. fat. <laughs> too fat for that one lady. Yeah. Um, what was her name? Kalest? Oh, I don't know. But she Weird. was great. Yeah, she didn't. But she she was great. But she did have that no fatties policy, which was not cool. You know, no. get, get woke, Kalest. <laughs> yeah. So Kempek has decided that uh, Picard is going to be the the arbiter of succession, um, much like when Worf appointed Picard to be his chadich. Kempek has appointed Picard to be arbiter of succession, which means that when Kempek goes uh 
goes tits up. It's uh, it's going to be Picard's job to pick the uh, the replacement Klingon. When he goes swinging tits up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kempek confides that he's being poisoned. Yes. And uh, you can only assume that poison is the is the method of his of his murder because uh, I'm not sure if a knife is going to have much effect. He's wearing a ton of uh, a ton of medals at all time. Uh-huh. Uh, like he's just covered in leather. Yeah. Like, I when when Picard goes on board and like Kempek gives him the download on what's happening, like the. The way the scene is played is that Kempek is in really bad shape. Like, he's sweaty, and he looks weak, and he's, like, hobbling around and, like, really, like, plops himself down in the chair. He he looks like a man that should be in a sweatsuit, but he is not. He is in, like, most formal, you know, North Korean dictator-level attire. He clearly made an effort because he knew he was having company over. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. You should always look your best, even though you're by yourself. You know what I mean? He baked a cake, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like this poisoning thing is like a real head fuck for for every Klingon that is made aware of it. Like, there's a scene where Picard uh, explains this poisoning shit to Worf, and Worf is like bowled over. You know, it's yeah. It's that's the most... not the way Klingons murder other Klingons. That's for sure. Yeah, and and Worf actually has like something pretty funny to say about this. Like that his murder would have no honor. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, oh, cool. So there's murders that are perfectly honorable, or yeah, somewhat honorable. Oh well, this this murder is half a gruesome crime, but half super honorable. <laughs> it's real weak sauce. Everyone seems to agree. Yeah, Worf is like, we're not the fucking pre-enlightenment French nobility here. Give me a break. Um, so, so yeah, there's kind of two parallel storylines. One is uh, Kalar trying to trying to get Worf to accept that Alexander is his son. And uh, the parallel I'll draw on this is that Kalar is, like, culturally Jewish, but Worf, like, keeps kosher, you know? <laughs> like... He's like, I don't want to, I like, you know, just showing up for the high holidays will not suffice. Like, <laughs> if if we're going to be mates, like, we got to do it right. And she's like, obviously, I love my heritage and whatnot, but like all of the little rituals, not not so much for me. Like, uh, too too heavy of a lift given my given my fast moving lifestyle as an ambassador to the Klingon homeworld. Yeah, and. Kempek pre-departure is like the coworker who has a big project coming up and needs to unload it on someone else before he goes on vacation. Like, yeah, fair Kempek's enough. like, we got this big meeting coming up. I sort of have a ton of shit to do, uh, but I can't do it. So it falls on you, JLP. <laughs> Can you help a brother out while I have my out of office on? Yeah, Out, Kempek is going to be unable to read or respond to your email because I am dead. <laughs> I, I'll I'll be I'll be dead for the next <laughs> indefinite number of weeks with limited access to email. If this is an emergency, you can you can send an email to JLP at Federation dot biz. They have some back and forth, and eventually Picard is like, "All right, fine, I'll be this arbiter." And the the two Klingons that show up to 
vie for the chancellorship, which I guess is like a a fight to the death type situation, right? Um, it seems that serious. Yeah. So one of them is Gowron, um, the Klingon that makes Worf eyes even better than Worf. Yeah. And the other is Duras, the uh, slimy dickweed that tried to have Picard <laughs> killed and uh, is behind the whole discommendation shit that uh, happened uh, several episodes ago. Picard is so neutral about both of these cats that it seems like he doesn't even remember that Duras tried to murder him. Yeah. Like, it's never brought up. They do a lot of kind of filling in for a viewer that maybe, uh, maybe didn't see that episode, which they do a great job of. Like, there's a lot of exposition that they felt the need to to get through but it doesn't feel exposition-y the way it sometimes does and uh and and so like you're you're totally caught up on on the broad strokes of of how Worf got discommendation um but yeah they definitely omit the part where Picard went walking through the barrio and a couple of uh bad hombres tried to poke (laughs) knives in him yeah, but given the year that Picardus had, like I sort of get why that's not top of mind for him as far as all the terrible shit that's happened to him lately. I don't know. He recently had a Klingon knife inside him, so yeah. I feel like he might be like, ugh, you know, avoid <laughs> having that happen once again. <laughs> there's a couple, I mean, there's a, at this point in the episode, all of these storylines play out pretty much in parallel. Yeah. But I want to go back a little bit to. Uh, to Riker as director because there are a few scenes in, especially in the remastered version that are just more soft focus than the show typically gets. And I wanted to chat you up just a little bit about this. Like the idea of a green director with a veteran DP, like Mm -hmm. that relationship and the trust between the two is super critical to preventing shit like this from happening. And it makes me wonder if Frakes is like, check the gate, and the DP is like, yeah, we're good. Like, fine, let's move on. Like, if if being a second-time show director for him allowed the production to be a little looser than it would have been. I don't know. Do you have uh, specific shots that you didn't like? or uh, There was a shot of Gowron when they were doing uh, the Pataklan group in uh, in the conference room. <laughs> Where where it was like just a just a regular single, just like a cowboy single, and it was like very out of focus. It wasn't even back focused or anything. It was just wrong. Yeah. And it made me wonder, like, what's up with that, Frakes? I don't know. You know, this is something that I feel like HD has really fucked up for television production mm-hmm. because there are shots in this show where like two characters will be on the screen and one will be much closer to camera. And it's clear that they've stopped down a lot so that they're both like acceptably in focus, but not, you know. But neither of them are sharp. Neither of them is within the circle of confusion. And so, (laughs) like... That's my favorite Phil Collins song, by the way. But like, like, I think in, in SD, that probably comes out to looking like two in focus characters. Yeah. In a motion picture, they would maybe do like a split diopter or some kind of camera trick to put them both in focus or just rack. But, 
you know, television is a very different pace of production and they really have to like jam through stuff. And I think that especially with extras, like they probably don't have the dough or the time to go back and reshoot if something is a little bit kicked focus wise. Yeah. And I, I notice it like once every like three or four episodes in this show that a, a shot is not crisp the way I'm sure it looked, but it was like crisp enough for standard definition broadcast television. Yeah. And when they're looking at it on monitors at the time, are those are SD monitors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we're um, watching it better than the crew was able to watch it. Right. Which is yeah. kind of an incredible thought. Yeah. I mean, whoever's looking through the eyepiece on the uh, Panavision or whatever is probably right. getting a nice crispy, crispy view, but that's, you know, eyepiece is not the not the uh, the way the director intends you to to view the final product so one other thing i wanted to bring up along these same lines is that they shoot every alexander scene super wide did you notice that heat move i think they adr'd everything that he said <laughs> he delivers a lot of dialogue with his head turned yeah. too so maybe they were maybe they didn't have his dialogue written like they liked or maybe the actor's delivery wasn't up to snuff so they looped him later on but that's probably probably what it really is i just interpreted that as they really wanted to show how different he is in size to Worf because he like really he doesn't even come up to Worf's waist he is like a little little kid yeah he's he's like toddler height yeah yeah absolutely he's he's a he's a shorty yeah so they convene this this uh every all the all of the Klingons are like real eager to get this shit sorted out and and uh get the party started w slash r slash t one of them killing the other one um and uh they're just you're invited (laughs) to the murder of my political rival yeah they went on a paperless post and they found a nice a nice free template and sent it out where the conference room on the enterprise when between three and six o'clock. Two jail two JLP at Federation.biz. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So part of the the first part of the ceremony is everybody is apparently gonna need to satisfy themselves that Kim Peck is in fact dead. So they gather on the on the battle cruiser and uh Kalar hands Picard a hentai dildo. And they all take turns stabbing Kim Peck with it to uh, make sure he doesn't moan or wake up or whatever. Is he dead? I don't know. Let's stab him. Yeah. And uh, and so, like, then they're arguing about, like, what happens next in the ceremony when the least exciting explosion in television history happens. It felt like a CSI explosion. Like, everything is blocked toward this empty space yeah. in the room. And they immediately go super slow-mo as soon as the explosion happens. Yeah. It's it's very intense. Yeah, it's one of those, like, there's a cut to Flash and then just a bunch of guys, like, doing f- forward somersaults through the air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It always looks great when Klingons are going flying because they have all that hair and 
crap hanging off them their bodies Leather. spikes on their toes yeah i'm sure they had to uh sign some waivers like if a toe spike goes through your sternum <laughs> you will hold harmless paramount pictures and you know the big rod corporation <laughs> dba big rod <laughs> yeah my love is a becomes clear pretty quickly that the explosive is on a Romulan design and not only that it was it was like a real small one so it's kind of going to be hard to figure out who who brought it on board the ship and so they hold this meeting and the whole time Worf has been kind of steering clear of the action because of his discommendation and like anytime he's like gets caught on the view screen somebody will yell some guttural insult at him that involves a lot of phlegm and picard is finally like all right you're going to come into the uh to the ceremony and like break down this whole like the results of our investigation about the explosive and uh Worf is like once again like totally freaked out really doesn't want to doesn't want to do it and picard is like Dude, you're the chief of security. Like, if you if you want to like keep bowing out of this shit, you can maybe like not be an officer on my ship anymore. But if you're if you want to be an officer, like you gotta you gotta like serve your fu- fu- function, whether or not it's uncomfortable from a cultural standpoint. And so the the version of this that you might recognize is like uh, the the pharmacist who doesn't want to sell birth control. Like right. Worf, it's your job to escort people around the ship and do security type detail. Like, it doesn't matter what your personal feelings are about the specific job you have to do. Yeah, that's a totally great way of uh, of thinking about this. So he goes into this meeting and immediately Duras and, and Gowron are like flipping out and acting like it's this major insult to the process and... Uh, you know, Picard is is great at like condescending the shit out of a Klingon. Like, yeah, he's like, um, that's really cute, but he's the head of security on this ship, and that's the function he's serving here. He's not he's not here as a Klingon. He's here as an officer of the Federation. And uh, Worf starts going through the results of their of their findings with this explosive and uh, explains that it was. Romulan and um, Duras is like, what the fuck? Like, we gotta, we gotta get to the bottom of this. And so he storms out and he uh, he goes to his his room where um, one of his lackeys is like checking out a laptop and he's like, hey, guess what? Kalar is looking into your background. I've got her search history up on this laptop. <laughs> yeah, she is not in incognito mode. Yeah, and so so Kalar has been like asking Worf why he got this commendation, like what that is all about, and she asks Picard at one point, and Picard's like, "I, I really couldn't possibly say." And he doesn't uh, snitch. No, yeah, snitches get stitches, and Picard's had plenty of those. He's trying to avoid stitches right now. Yeah, the um, reason she's digging into it is because she is very interested in Worf being involved in this kid's life and yeah. Worf at every turn up until now is like, no, don't tell him I'm his dad. Like, yeah, it's, it's, su- he's going to be super ashamed of me. 
Yeah, there's and, all this. And she doesn't quite get why that's such a big deal. Yeah, he takes all that stuff super seriously, and she doesn't give a flying fuck about it. So when like when she wants to get some like domestic shit set up between them and he's like he loves her like he wants to do it but he's he's like if i do this then anybody that shares my belief system is gonna project all of this shame onto you and onto the kid and any kid the kid has eventually like like this shit sticks in the klingon empire uh the shame of the father is the shame of the son and so kalar and alexander want to go out for oysters and (laughs) Worf. Worf just can't have it. Right. This is like a story in my uh, in my wife's family where her, her grandfather came home from like a work trip and the grandmother had bought some bacon and he found it in the fridge and and she like denied it by saying, no, I've been feeding it to the dog. And he's like, <laughs> great, now I can't even kiss the dog. <laughs> like, that's the that's the level of, of freak out that Worf is on here. So... Um, I cannot clean up after the dog anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like all of the stuff between Worf and Kalar is very like is very like telenovela. And then when Duras comes in, in in to like confront her about the fact that she's checking into his past, it's like full fucking telenovela. Like Yeah. It it's a lot of like turning away from the camera and and you know, speaking truths that that cannot be voiced and all this shit. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's real tense. And, and, uh, it's, it's one of those things where like we cut away to like a, a brief scene where the doctor explains to Riker that the explosive was in fact inside the body of one of Duras's men. And then we cut back to like Worf and Alexander coming home and Kalar is like piled up, in a bloody heap on the floor. And there's definitely some evidence that she went through a glass table. Yeah, no doubt. Like they exchange some, some last words and, and then Worf has to, uh, has to let the, uh, the dead know that a half human, half warrior is coming. So, uh, so his scream toward the heavens is a little, it's a little half hearted. <laughs> Do you think so that the, like only half, side? only half of her soul winds up in Stovacor? Well, we know her her teeth don't make it. Her teeth yeah. being the most human part of her. Right. Yeah. She shows up and she's like, she looks like a old timer that doesn't have his dentures in. <laughs> it this drove me crazy how long it took uh, the medical officers to get to her quarters. Like it, it was like calling nine one one in a bad part of town. Like where are they? <laughs> like Worf has all this time to hold her and like put his fingers on her wounds and stuff to try to stop the blood but like yeah it's over and she's dead and they finally arrive like what feels like forever later yeah shouldn't they just have like site to site transport from sick bay to wherever they want to be on the ship wouldn't that be I don't nice know. i mean they sort of hint at this uh in the remember me episode when that old man disappears and then they decide to search for him by smell basically <laughs> Like, it feels like the computer should know when someone dies almost immediately. Right. Just based on their position in the ship, their body temperature, and if that were to, like, disappear, uh, that would be cause for a computer to, like, automatically sound some sort of alarm. I guess we aren't there yet. Yeah. Well, the sensors on the ship are not uh, are not doing the same things that they normally do um, in this episode. And uh, 
the scene ends with Worf trying to uh, trying to get Alexander to experience his death in a very Klingon way, and like we've already got the seeds of the of the relationship between Worf and Alexander being that Alexander is a little bit a little bit uneasy about all this Klingon business, and Worf is very keen on raising Alexander as nothing but Klingon, which is uh, probably a pretty familiar tension to children of very devout religious orders yeah I am the cutest of all there are four lights so they uh they clear out with the body I guess and Worf yeah they they wrap her in a sparkly body bag and Worf like goes over to his uh his room and uh he he takes off his uh his uh his sash takes off his communicator badge Picks up his batleth. He puts his uh, his badge on the table and his uh, and his nine millimeter. Yeah. On uh, on his captain's desk. Yeah, it's like um yeah, and he takes takes out his uh, his stash gun, the one that he yeah. like <laughs> the ankle holster, the one the the one that he would plant on a uh, <laughs> on a body if he needed to fabricate a uh, justifiable homicide. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's pretty th- clear he's going rogue right now. Did you notice what was on the table that he left his communicator on? Are you referring to Spiky Bird? <laughs> yeah, the Spiky Bird makes an unexpected season four reappearance. That, that that was so much fun to me. Yeah, like Worf has got sort of a a shrine of weaponry. He's got a batleth up there. He's got some fun knives, mm-hmm. and then like in a place of prominence. Yeah, on the mantle is Spiky Bird. Oh, super I just, fun. I, I just rewatched the clip, and uh, his his communicator badge actually doesn't doesn't stay on the table. He tosses it onto it, and it falls on the floor. <laughs> uh, that's, like when you throw your keys on the nightstand, and they yeah. just slide behind. I so just aggravating. See, I see I see Frakes seeing that happen, and go print that one, print that take. <laughs> that's the take. That's but, that's good old single take Frakes right there for you. <laughs> yeah. So they're like. Um, Man, we gotta like talk to Worf about what ha- what just went down here. Uh, where is he? And uh, turns out not not on the ship any longer. And uh, do you think it's weird that Worf is never a suspect? Like he's just acted in a really strange way. His communicator's <laughs> off. They can't find him. Kalar's dead. Right. You would. He think just that found out the, he was a dad. The chief of uh, security should be at the murder scene that just happened on the ship. Yeah, it seems like for even a moment he should be considered a suspect, right? Yeah, um, it's got it's got a domestic violence situation written all over it. Sir, from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, I guess Alexander was there as a witness. Yeah, but he's like a kid, you know. How how firmly can you trust his his uh, account of the situation? Not at all. Anyways, he, he comes on board the uh, the ship that Duras is on and. There's a lot of uh, grumbling among the Klingons, like, why is, why is that Patak here? And Worf uh, explains that Kalar was his mate, and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and it's on. Like, like somebody, somebody uh, does, that, does that thing I love where they take a sword, and they, they've got it in the uh, scabbard, and they hold the scabbard out to Duras, and he just takes the sword. Yeah. And uh and they have like a pretty intense sword fight here where where Duras has like a saber. He has like a pirate sword almost. 
Yeah. And uh It's like and, a sawed off sword kind of. Yeah, and and uh Worf has the batleth and like they're they're fighting Worf Worf gets Duras on the ground and the uh the Dustbuster Club shows up just in time and you totally think that they're gonna like stun Worf or like grab him before he he's he does the final blow, but nope. <laughs> Worf just fucking killifies Duras. This is another one of those scenes where I'm like alone watching it, and I'm like, surely they're not going to let him get away with this. No, he yeah. lunges it into his chest, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's so mental, right? Like that. Like Data is there. Data yeah. can move very quickly and is much stronger than Worf. Could easily have prevented this, and they just stand there and watch with their jaws on the floor as he does a murder. Yeah. It makes me realize that Worf can get away with just about anything. They're kind of in international waters, right? Like, uh, like you, you probably have a lot of legal leeway on another ship. And he wasn't yeah. wearing his badge, so right. he wasn't acting as an official representative of the Starfleet. That is a... Fair but pretty tenuous point, I think. And <laughs> fair but incorrect. It's pretty crazy that um, it kind of goes against uh, things that have happened before, where you know, like with the uh, with the uh, ragtag group of uh, raider aliens and the and Yuta, the the genetically engineered killer woman. Like yeah. when that guy dies in the beginning of that episode. They're also like, uh, eh, no big deal. No, nobody cares about that guy. And and the the Enterprise is like, no, no, no. We're getting to the bottom of this. We are going to find out who killed this guy. And that's like a whole part of that storyline. In this, they're like, oh, one of our one of our guys went over to your ship and killed one of your guys, and you don't care that much. Cool. We don't care that much either. <laughs> yeah. Real weird. Yeah. This must so, have been a fun scene for Frakes to direct to, like. Like, this is a real fight scene with a lot of compound moves and not mm-hmm. a lot of cuts. No, yeah. There's a lot for him to do here. Uh, good good swashbuckling. It's fun to see. Uh, I think it's the first time we've really seen Worf do, like, super artsy-fartsy martial arts-style batleth moves where he's, like, swinging it around and showing his, his kata. And <laughs> it's fun fun to see batleth against not another batleth, but a different weapon. Yeah. Like, uh, as, as as much as I was hoping he would pick up that spiky bird, <laughs> he, uh, it was fun to see this fight scene. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe someday we'll see batleth versus spiky bird. <laughs> if they ever go back to Code of Honor planet, what are the chances? <laughs> you know how they sold off all of the props on this show? I wonder how much spiky bird went for. Oh man, that is in Some, like David someone out Duke's, there owns Spiky Bird. David Duke's man cave has Spiky <laughs> Bird, and it's like, man, I don't like Star Trek that much. What with all the multiculturalism, but that one episode I really liked. Something about it. The the watch count on that episode is like at eighty. <laughs> yeah, he's got I the put V8. it on because it calms me. It soothes yep. me before bed. He's got the uh, the full whole first season on VHS, and that that one tape is just totally worn out because <laughs> it's been rewound and replayed so many times. I am Locutus aboard. You will respond to my questions. I am Locutus aboard. You are bored. The little 
final moment after Picard kind of, Picard kind of scolds Worf and says like, you know, the demands of your society should not come before your responsibilities on this ship. And if they, if they, you know, if you need them to like, you need to like not be on this crew and, yeah, Worf. we got a lot of people from a lot of planets on the ship that don't seem to have a problem uh, giving out birth control. Yeah. Worf, maybe maybe you should come correct and just decide to be a, a 100% Federation-affiliated officer from now on. What do you say? Yeah, and Worf, uh, Worf is into that, you know? But he, did, but he is going to get a, uh, a little note. Uh, he's going to get, like, the Federation equivalent of a... Uh, of a write-up. Look, Worf, we're going to stick you on an improvement plan. We're going to have weekly meetings to talk about how you're progressing. <laughs> I uh, want to make it clear you're not being punished. Uh, we just see some areas for improvement, okay? Uh, Does this sound familiar, Ben? If we didn't want you here, we wouldn't be doing this. You're so right. We... Uh, that's the line. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. The little uh, button on the episode is Worf having a a real intense scene with uh, little Alexander, where he comes clean to Alexander uh, about a lot of things, and um, probably the the most intense is Alexander asks Worf if uh, if he's his father, and he says, "I am your father," and. Alexander goes, no, that's not true. That's impossible. (laughs) The best part for me was getting to watch you do that. (laughs) Worf has a couple of follow-up questions for Alexander. He's like, so uh, you're going to go live with my parents in Russia. Just want to see how you like borscht. (laughs) <laughs> uh, is that a is that a yes or a no? Yeah. What's your what's your uh, feelings with regard to pierogies? <laughs> w slash R slash T pierogi. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to take your temperature on oppression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the button. The button, like it's oddly. It's a weird mix of hopeful in the Worf cops to be in the dad. Mm-hmm. Alexander seems satisfied by this. Worf also breaks the news that, like, yeah, I'm your dad, but you can't live with me. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are we supposed to feel about this? I don't know, man. I think that's a, uh, unfortunately, like, I don't I don't think we're supposed to think of Worf as black, but uh, unfortunately a a stereotype that I don't think that, 1990s TV shows were afraid to reinforce, and uh, this one and specifically. Did, yeah, and I did feel a type of way about that. Like, it's it's like it's a pretty like advanced kind of racism where most of the time the racism in this show seems more like stepping on a rake, and this is like black dude dies at the beginning. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I was sad that uh, Kalar got killed. Yeah, man, I really liked her. She's a good character. I don't feel like to serve the story in the episode, they even needed to do that. Like, I guess if you're forcing Worf to cop to being the dad, that is a way to do it. Right. But I think she gives so much more value to the show in other ways that 
that that to me didn't seem worth the sacrifice of losing her as a recurring character because she was just a great foil for Worf. Yeah. Uh, she's super fun. Like her, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm truly going to miss her in a lot of ways. I think, I think she's yeah. just fun to have around and, and to know as, that that's it. As sucks. a performer, she is definitely the equal of anybody that they put her on screen with and really yeah. like takes up her, her part of the frame, you know? For all of the like extras that we get on this show, that's not always the case, you know. Yeah, she does a thing though in this episode that I don't recall from her first appearance. And Ben, you might just want to take off your earphones for this because, like, I think I'm about to ruin her <laughs> for a lot of people. But she does; she has that voice effect where she is very self-aware that what she's saying is needling the person she's talking to and it's very Ann Coultery to me like <laughs> like and what I I closed my eyes in the middle of this episode to see if it was true like oh man she sort of sounds like Ann Coulter to me and then I closed my eyes and I'm like oh god it's not going away like it's really it really sounds like her no so, yeah. <laughs> that's not true that's impossible <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> Did you like this episode? This episode of Bill Maher? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I did. I, I think this is a fun episode. Always fun to uh, dip dip your toe into the Klingoniverse. And Gowron is a, a fun character. Uh, as good of a villain as Duras is, like him being out of the way makes way for... Uh, the uh, the rest of the Duras family to come into into play, which uh, the rest of House Duras, yeah, which is exciting, yeah, uh, and uh, and Gowron has those crazy eyes, which I love looking at. Just get lost in those crazy eyes, Ben. Mm-hmm. Those are some terrifying bedroom eyes, aren't they? They really are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I would not want to be. Uh, I, I would want to keep the lights on for that one. <laughs> yeah. Or close your own eyes. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I see. See, your so your 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 attack is to be swept away and just kind of ignore it. But I want to make sure he's not up to anything. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, that's responsible, especially yeah. if you don't know someone very well. Yeah. You like this one? I do. I do. In spite of not being completely satisfied at its conclusion, like this was another can kicker episode. Like we're kicking this Klingon can down the road on mm-hmm. the storyline. So uh, we res- we resolve and end some characters. Uh, the story itself moves on. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Cool. Good app. Why don't we check the subspace radio? What do you say about that? Yeah, uh, I had taken off my communicator. And set it aside, so I wasn't aware that we were getting one of those, those messages. So let's go ahead and do that. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first priority one message is a personal message, Ben, and it is to us. What? Much like, much like the Borgs when they hailed Picard directly. Yeah. This one, this one is going straight to us. Is that allowed? <laughs> Begins like this. Adam and Ben, I love the show. 
I even traded a few scarves for a West Hat t-shirt and sold my natural Jaeger to buy these two P1 messages. Oh. <laughs> Knowing what we know about uh, the Jaeger market right now, I, I hope he made $1,000 off of that deal. Yeah. All right. He continues. But please stop wasting vetoes. <laughs> to give each episode the loving reviews they all deserve and still retain the riveting veto drama... And then, then this message is cut off. <laughs> it cuts off some, in the middle. Something wrong with the uh, subspace transponder. Uh, our second P1 message is also from oh. Mike, Michael Durst. There he is. And now the conclusion. <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh, maybe the vetoing hosts provide 10 random audio clips which the non-vetoing host must incorporate into a solo hosted review of the vetoed episode for even more suspense maybe the host with the most impressions slash inside jokes last season gets an extra veto in the new season keep up the great work and thanks for the fun so the second part of the message almost sounds like he's giving us ideas for how to continue the veto yeah and also like Here's my idea, guys. I'd like to give you a ton more work to do. <laughs> that's not nice. Well, he Michael did pay Durst. us to do some something, so. Yeah, uh, that's true. That that takes a little bit of the sting off of it. As we mention constantly, we don't pre-plan how we deploy the vetoes. It's just it just so happens that we've shot them at each other every time. I think the last the last round of veto counter veto really pissed a couple of people off though. Yeah, because I th- yeah. I think both because remember me is kind of a beloved episode and also it's now four times in a row and I think people are starting to suspect that we're not being entirely honest about the vetoes but we are i don't know what would give them that idea and if this were pre-planned i would have no problem telling everyone that we pre-planned them but that's not the case yeah so uh thank you for the delicious delicious money michael (laughs) (laughs) but uh unfortunately i think your suggestion is too confusing and also (laughs) We're we're too committed to our ridiculous way of doing things around here. I like how Michael's first idea is to kick one of us off the show. (laughs) Well, uh, if you would like to send us a Jumbotron message or anybody else a Jumbotron message, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It is $100 for a personal message or $200 for a commercial message message or two hundred dollars for two personal messages (laughs) yeah as this guy discovered uh uh, that's like the funniest part of this yeah (laughs) no how how much it cost (laughs) Um, i think there was a way to write this message in one message yeah i think he i think he hoisted himself on his own (laughs) petard um but yeah it's a It is a uh, great way to support the show, and uh, we really appreciate it. Hey, Ben. Adam, what's that? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did. Um, This is another one where you got... I'm going to give you some time code. So uh, if you go to time code 24 minutes and 23 seconds, there's a scene where... Uh, Gauron and Duras are about to go to fisticuffs in the uh, Patachlan group and uh, 
it's a it's a scene where like Gowron like he like reaches behind him and punches one of the security guys and and then goes for for Duras and the other security guy gets in between them but as he gets in between them it is clear that they did not explain to this extra how a phaser is held or triggered because his finger is nowhere near the <laughs> the trigger button on the phaser and I just thought it was like, you know, it'd be like if he was holding a gun by the barrel, <laughs> you know, like, not so fast, bub. And they're like, do you even know what you're holding, dude? <laughs> that guy has got some real low-rent Channing Tatum vibes, too. My name is Jeff. So he got my uh, my Shimoda for, for biffing it up in that scene. Uh, not specifically a Jaeger reference. Or no, 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 no. Biffing it okay. in, the, uh, in the, like, falling off the skateboard sense of the term. Oh, okay. I just wanted to be sure. Yeah. How about yourself? Do you have a drunk Shimoda? Duras and his and his valet have just discovered in the scene that uh Kalar has been has been doing some Google searches. Right. On on Worf's, Worf's genealogy. <laughs> and they do they do the dumbest distract the security officer move that you could <laughs> possibly get. They're like, what we need is a distraction. And so uh so Duras's bud goes out there and he's like, hey, look over there. And then they go walking out of frame and then Duras just walks the other way. <laughs> that security officer is like the dopiest. <laughs> we have really bad security in this episode. And I think we've both select made selections that underscore that feeling. He's just like your security officer looks like Jeff from Security, <laughs> and mine looks like uh, look, looks like Chad. You know, yeah. yeah. J- Jeff and Chad are uh, not doing. Worf is not setting a great example for Jeff and Chad. Let's just no, say, not at all. And I think if anyone needs to get pipped, it's probably Jeff and Chad after yeah. this one. <laughs> it's not a punishment, you guys. We're, we we just want to have a few more meetings with you. It's clear that we didn't train you sufficiently on how to use your <laughs> dustbuster, and that's on us. It's really our fault. Yeah. Darmok, Angelad, and Tanaga. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and... They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. 
And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVS for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode? Next episode is season four, episode eight, Future Imperfect. After an away team mission fails... <laughs> Riker awakens in sickbay to discover 16 years have passed and he now commands the Enterprise? Do you remember this episode, Adam? It sounds like that works out pretty well for him. <laughs> this, along with Remember Me, is one of my favorite shitty episodes. <laughs> I love this episode. Uh, I remember really liking this one, too. Um, yeah, I think that I was kind of vindicated on Remember Me, though. Yeah, I, I I still really like it, but I mean, you helped me see its many flaws. Um, yeah. Well, this is this is cornball good, not cornball evil. Okay. Or or chaotic cornball. <laughs> chaotic cornball. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we have to see it. We're all yeah. out of bullets, aren't we? Yeah. Nothing left in the uh, six shooter. Well, thanks uh, to everybody for listening. If you enjoy the show and you want to donate to support its production you can go to maximumfund.org slash donate uh we really appreciate everybody that does that and uh we had an idea recently for a special donors only episode that uh may be may be happening soon so if you want to get in on that uh this is a good time to to do that um other ways you can support the show that don't cost money are leaving a nice review on iTunes or whatever podcast uh, app you use. Uh, if you're in Overcast, click the recommend star. 
um, you know, just uh, put put the word out about our show. Let's say you write for a big publication and you uh, and you're casting about for that tenth podcast in your 10 podcasts you need to be listening to now article give us a give us a shout we'll, we'll give you a quote uh, another way you can support the show is by copping one of them t-shirts yeah i think uh at this point we could probably announce that we have submitted our second t-shirt to the max fun store that is and, true uh, and in the coming days if not at this moment in time that might be available for you yeah uh go check that out MaximumFunStore.com for that. And we should thank Dark Materia and Adam Ragusea. Dark Materia, of course, makes the Picard song, which is our theme music. Adam Ragusea made our Priority One music, and uh, we really appreciate all of that. If, uh, if uh, assuming assuming they they aren't already sold out, uh, go uh, go buy tickets for our tour. Yeah. Go to uh, MaximumFun.org and you can see uh, all of our live dates and links to how to get to tickets. So uh, thanks to everybody for listening. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a sadly imperfect episode of The Greatest Generation. You could describe all of our episodes that way. Yeah, I'd say that that is... Sadly Imperfect might be the main way of describing our podcast. (laughs) That is an evergreen review for our show, if I've ever heard one. Yeah. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.